I'm your host, Amber Sobrio-Ritter. I'm a personal trainer, behavior analyst, and mom of three living in California. And this podcast is focused on using the science of human behavior to help you live a more values-based life. How can you take the things, first, how can you identify the things that really matter to you? And then embody those in your everyday life so that you can experience a sense of well-being and happiness and just feeling so good to be showing up to your life in the way that you want right as we get older so much of what we do operates under these other contingencies like the need to make money the need to pay for things the need to you know be an adult and be managing things and it's so easy to lose this sense of what really really matters You know, sometimes on my Instagram, I will post a few sentences about, hey, what are your top five values? I'm guessing that having a clean house probably isn't in there. And yet how much time do we spend throughout the day just cleaning the house, you know? And what about the values of adventure or authenticity or creativity? You know, are you expressing these in your life? I'm super excited to be able to take all of my behavior analytic knowledge and apply it to these different domains. You know, we talk about fitness primarily because I'm a personal trainer and I and I really find that lifting weights specifically has a lot of value that are not within the aesthetic realm that can be life-changing for a lot of women and I know it was for me. So we're doing our fourth and final episode today on systems work. So systems are those things that you do to help you in your real life, in real time, really lean into those values that you've identified. So if, let's say my, my final goal is that I'm going to run a half marathon. My systems are, but how? How am I going to balance, right? We're talking about all of these other contingencies that are present in our lives. How am I going to balance all these other pressures, all these other needs, these to-dos, with this new goal that I have for myself. And often it's not a lack of motivation. It's not a lack of desire. It's not a lack of like goal setting. People have goals. And what we find is that it's very, very hard to achieve them. And especially, you know, we start at the beginning of the year, we have a resolution. The motivation is there. The desire, the plan maybe even, right? Like I'm going to work out. Okay, I got a gym membership. Okay, I, I downloaded a workout program from the internet. And yet it's not sustainable. Why? It's not because you're lacking any of those things that you often think you're lacking, like worth, (laughs) right? We're so mean to ourselves. I can't follow through on things. I can't do anything. I'm this kind of person, right? And it's so negative. And as a behavior analyst, I'm not looking at any of that. We don't, those are, those are what we call mentalistic conclusions. And instead I just look at the environment, right? We look at the environment. How is the environment evoking that behavior that you want to see? And if it isn't, how can we change the environment? right? A lot of the time we change the environment and the person changes, right? Take a really stressed person who doesn't care for themselves in a really stressful job, put them in another job. Oh, wow. All of these other behaviors that were being evoked in this other situation are no longer evoked, right? If I take a child out of a classroom where they've had a lot of negative experiences, a lot of trauma, you know, they didn't feel successful. I just put them in a new classroom. Sometimes that will do it. Right? I mean, you obviously have to identify what's the core issue here and adjust that. But sometimes just modifying the environment is enough or oftentimes just modifying the environment is enough. So that's what systems are. So this is number 12. And the system work that we're talking about today is called behavior chaining and making undesired behaviors less attractive. I pull a little bit from James Clear's work in his book, Atomic Habits, which is really just ABA for the layperson, And I pull from my behavior analytic knowledge and background 
as we kind of talk about this. So one of my most favorite quotes, or I have a couple of favorite quotes about this. Uh, one is, the best is the enemy of good. Voltaire said that. If it has to be the best, it's really, really hard. It's hard to sustain. It's hard to do it. It's hard to meet those self-imposed criteria for success, right? So it's hard to be good. It's hard to even show up and make any progress when the best is the only way. And my other favorite quote by Steinbeck is, now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. And I love that. I love that. That one really hits me. You know, when I think about being a parent, you want so badly to be good at it. You want so badly to not mess it up and to do it right and to learn everything that you needed to learn from your childhood and do it in this other way. And it can be such a shock to the system when you recognize you're not going to be perfect, right? I mean, it, it usually happens very quickly, <laughs> uh, pretty much immediately. <laughs> Even when you conceive, right, I'm going to be so healthy this pregnancy. I'm going to do everything perfect. I'm going to work out every day. And then you find yourself eating three s'mores a day. I'm not joking. Towards the end of the pregnancy and you're thinking, hmm, I ate a lot of sugar. <laughs> you know, in this, during my second pregnancy, I worked in a bakery. It's You pretty much lose that vision of yourself immediately, very early on in the journey, right? The first time you get really upset the first time you cry, the first time you do something your parent did that you didn't want to do. So I feel like it's so freeing. It's so liberating to acknowledge I'm not going to be perfect. I'm just not. And I know that that seems so cliche. Like, duh, we've all heard that a million times. But like, we still believe that about ourselves. Like, we still beat ourselves up when we're not perfect. So it's kind of cliched for someone to be like, you know, you don't have to be perfect. And you're like, I know, I know. But like, do you know? Because you're still beating yourself up and engaging in a lot of negative self-talk when you fall short of that. But it's like you say you know, right? This is something that probably many of us are struggling with, like knowing something intellectually on the surface, but not fully having synthesized it such that failure is no longer such an aversive internal stimuli because we recognize that's a part of being imperfect. So when we think about the way that this is connected to behavior chaining, <laughs> there is a connection. So when you identify the perfect plan to move forward towards your goals, you're not going to make any progress without consistent implementation. Like that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing to focus on. This is why I tell clients that lifting weights for 20 minutes a day, five days a week is going to be more impactful than lifting for an hour twice a week. Part of the reason for this is that consistency trains your muscles and mind more than intensity and the other benefit is that getting into a routine consistently and then building on that routine is going to be more impactful long-term than intermittently completing the perfect workout. If you've got the consistency down, you've got the implementation down, even to a small degree, you can add to that incrementally, right? I'm lifting five days a week for 20 minutes, then 22 minutes, then 23 minutes. I'm, I'm building slowly, or maybe I'm doing short, really short reps or very few sets, but I'm building. I think often that when we identify someone that we want to be like, because probably if we're going to go deeper there, why do we want to be like this person? Maybe because we want to access things that this person can access. Like that person is able to access a feeling of self-esteem that I don't have because they've done this, they have this body or this workout program or they can access, you know, partners to date or social praise, social reinforcement. 
And I think that when we identify that we want to be like that person, we want to start doing the same things as them right away. So like if they're doing this and I'm also doing it, I'm going to see those results, right? I want to do the workouts that the famous trainer is doing. What would you do for yourself? That's the thing I want to do, right? And this is one of the biggest issues with finding a physique of a person that you admire on Instagram or wherever and buying a workout program from them is that the expectation is that you're going to go from where you are now, which is as a person that potentially does not exercise at all and is deconditioned to someone that is suddenly exercising one hour a day, five days a week or more. And what you may not recognize is that the person you're following developed their physique mindset and other desirable qualities by being where you are or some version of that for a long time before they became the person that they are now. So you think the first step is to buy the workout program and then do it, but the first step is to begin developing simpler and more sustainable habits than that and then building slowly over time. So sometimes the first step is just to tolerate the discomfort of being in the gym Right, I've talked about this before, how I've worked with clients who just didn't even want to walk into the gym because of the internal aversive stimuli that are arising for them. I'm ugly, everyone's looking at me, I don't know what I'm doing, I suck at this. Sometimes the start is just walking into that gym, hearing those thoughts, allowing those thoughts to be there, and then leaving. And that's what you're doing. You're learning how to tolerate discomfort in your body and in your mind. And again, I'm convinced at this point in my life that life is really just a series of opportunities to tolerate discomfort. And how you do it, how you tolerate that discomfort will change your life and determine your path. So sometimes the first step is just walking into the gym. The first step might be to tolerate the discomfort of sweating. Maybe it's not a psychological discomfort, it's of sweating, of of exerting, of having a hard time. Uh, maybe having an increased heart rate or, or having to exert effort. Before you even begin an exercise program, a good start may be to begin to work into your day a short walk and then build in, right? You start in 10 minutes and then you build up to maybe 60 minutes. And at that point, you may have worked in a little bit of light jogging or a faster walking pace or you have most certainly developed the habit of moving your body at that certain time of day, which means it will now not be a huge change to your lifestyle to begin going to the gym during that 90 minutes versus walking or running. At that point, you've got some stamina, you've got cardiovascular endurance, you've got some systems in place to ensure that your workout fits into the day. You've worked through probably some of the aversive internal stimuli of movement, sweating, wearing workout clothes, having negative thoughts about yourself. The goal is always to identify a habit that's not going to cause a huge change to your life, but is going to require just a slight adjustment as your starting point. And then you build slowly from there. So behavior chaining really refers to taking many behaviors and combining them to equal one final behavior. So the behavior of prepping a healthy meal is many smaller behaviors linked together, right? You go to the store, you buy the food, you wash the food, you cut the food, you cook the food, right? And there's a hundred small behaviors that even make up those larger behaviors. Behavior chaining is I take all of these small behaviors and I try to knock off a few steps here and there for the things that I really want to be engaging in and knocking off those few steps 
makes it a little easier for me to engage in that behavior. So let's say that prepping a healthy meal, let's say it consists of 10 main steps. You got to go to the grocery store. You have to purchase the food. You have to bring the food home, right? If I engage in a couple of the first steps and those are done, now it's not looking so bad to engage in all of the others. Let's say I haven't even gone to the grocery store. I don't even have ingredients. I have to do the full behavior chain, that whole thing, to be able to access the final reward, which is a healthy home-cooked meal. And I'm looking at that whole chain of behaviors and I'm thinking, that's at least a two-hour chain, right? You can look at it and think, "Mm mm-mm. You know, when you're really tired and I'm thinking about doing some task and I'm like, oh, that's a 30-minuter, right? That that requires a 30-minute behavior chain. I'm too tired. Can't do it. So what you're doing is you're taking this long chain and just trying to knock off enough steps so that engaging in that behavior or completing that behavior chain is as easy as completing a shorter, less healthful chain. So when I have prepped meals in the fridge, taking a meal out, and taking the lid off is just as quick as grabbing a bag of chips out of the cupboard and opening them. Those chains are equal. And ideally what you want to do is actually to increase the chain of the behavior that's not as good for you and decrease the chain for the behavior that is, which means now it's actually more reinforcing or more immediately reinforcing to engage in the healthful behavior versus the one that isn't. Amazing, right? So we're identifying a good starting point here for the new year, right? You want to lift weights. You want to do some workout program from somebody that you purchased online. There are a lot of, a lot of steps for that, a lot of different steps, a lot of behaviors that you have to chain together. So let's say our goal is to go to the gym and complete this workout program. This requires me to have created a system that's going to support me leaving. If I have kids, I've identified my partner, a friend, a family member to take care of my kids so I can do it. Or I'm at a gym where there's a child care. Okay, so you've done kind of some front end systems work. In order to get to the gym, I have to be dressed. I have to like be ready to go, water bottle, workout bag, whatever. Then I have to get in the car, drive to the gym, and so on. That's why for some people, home workouts can be really helpful because you reduce the chain. So what you want to do is have that chain reduced such that you engage in as few behaviors as possible to reach the final behavior of going to the gym. And the reason that people can buy a program off of the internet and fail at being able to do it is that the behavior chain might be too long. So let's say I purchase a program. I've never worked out before, so my system really isn't in support of this. I have to run around the morning of looking for my headphones and my water bottle and all of these things, right? All those parts of the chain, I didn't I didn't create a a system where those are all together already in a workout bag and I can just take it and leave, right? I have to go around finding all of those pieces. Okay, that was effortful. I'm a little grumpy, but I'm okay. All right, now I get into the car. I drive to the gym. Maybe there's some traffic. That was a bummer. I'm grumpy, but I'm okay. I go into the gym. I start exercising. I go into the gym. I start looking at the program. I realize I don't know what some of these exercises are. So I end up having to Google them. It's taking a long time to do the workout. I feel like people are looking at me. I don't know if my form's okay. I don't know what I'm doing. At some point, it's kind of like, I'm done. I don't want to do this program. It's too aversive because there's so much to, to deal with before you get to that final, I'm lifting weights. I'm doing a good workout from my program. Like I'm doing an effective workout from my program. All of those behaviors required so much effort 
that by the time you reach this final behavior, there really wasn't a ton of space available. There was not a ton of energy left to be able to engage in that behavior. So what we want to do is knock off some of those beginning behaviors so that I can just get in the car and go to the gym, right? I plan for my partner to be up with the kids so that it's easy for me to leave. My workout bag is by the door. It has everything I need, including my water. I get into the car. I drive to the gym. There's a granola bar in my workout bag, so I eat that as my pre-workout snack. I don't have energy, so there's a little pre-workout. I drink some pre-workout on the way. You've really identified all the barriers. Can't find my headphones? No problem. You already identified where they are previously, and they're in your bag. Sometimes a behavior change should be ABC, but then our life is just life, right? So there can be new problems that we didn't foresee, There can be wrenches in the chain that we didn't anticipate, and that makes it really hard because already the chain is too long. So a behavior chain is kind of thinking about all those behaviors that are required to be able to engage in this final desired behavior and knock as many off as you can. When I am prepping food for the week, I don't do the whole meal. I just do a couple little steps at a time. Thaw the chicken and chop the potatoes. That's it. I'm not cooking the potatoes. I'm not cooking the chicken. I'm just doing one step. Then the next day, I do the next step. And I just chip away at it every day until the final day, I have all of the ingredients because on Tuesday, I prep the broccoli and on Wednesday, I prep the chicken. And and I can just keep adding in new little steps every day so that nothing feels so overwhelming because I'm not engaging in that whole chain of behaviors. I'm just doing one or two of those behaviors. This is also something that has been really helpful. I don't take the whole days. I don't have the whole days available on the weekends to meal prep. Usually we're doing soccer games and other kids stuff. And so I just identify a day of the week to do a a tiny little piece of everything and then it rotates. So what you're thinking about are the behaviors that you want to engage in and you're asking yourself how many behaviors are in that chain? How can I knock off a few ahead of time so that when I'm in that moment of like sink or swim, you know, like make the choice it's easy because I've already done all of these things to make it easier for myself when it's 6 15 and the kids are hungry and you're hungry and it's a school night and everyone needs to eat if you've already knocked off most of the behaviors of the prepping dinner behavior chain it's very easy to just throw it in the microwave or throw it in the oven but if you're looking at starting from a You're just thinking, let's just get takeout or let's go out to eat or whatever, which is of course fine, but you might have other goals for yourself, like financial goals or otherwise. So maybe on Sunday, you thaw the chicken, on Tuesday, you chop the veggies, on Wednesday, you make the rice, and then on Thursday, you just add it all together. And you you do that so that it rotates, so that even on Monday when you didn't have a full meal made, you had food from the previous couple days that had started its prep process and now you have these really nice, inexpensive, healthy meals every night. But it's not about trying to engage in all of the behaviors at once and if I have a client that wants to start a workout program like a barbell program, I'm thinking we need to start somewhere different. We can't start right at the barbell, right? We have to start with, first of all, chaining a bunch of behaviors together so that your endurance is longer at the gym and we also need to shape that exercise behavior so that maybe you start with dumbbells that are low in weight and then we build up to the barbell. That behavior chain of helping you be successful enough to get to the gym and to have a basic understanding of how to lift allows you to then shape the specific behavior, right, the lifting behavior to get more and more complex over time, which is really exciting because oftentimes that's what people want. 
I think sometimes we delay action by engaging in like this planning behavior or like I was talking about with the first quotes, you know, uh, the best is the enemy of good. You spend so much time thinking, what's the, the best plan here so that I can be successful? But what's the point of delaying? What's the point of coming up with the best plan? Uh, in his book, Atomic Habits, James Clear feels that it's a delay of perceived failure or potential failure. But why? If we come up with the perfect plan, then the real fear isn't our plan, but our fear of imperfect implementation. So if we're scared of implementing imperfectly, we're not going to want to implement, right? Because we have to be perfect. So before I get started implementing this perfectly, I'm going to take a while to figure out what's the perfect plan so that I can delay the pressure of having to implement perfectly. I mean, think of the stress. I do this all the time. Well, not all the time, but this is a former Amber behavior where it's like, okay, I'm going to be perfect starting tomorrow. No treats, no sugar. That's my plan moving forward. I'll start tomorrow because it's like, okay, let me have one last night, <laughs> right? Let me have one last hurrah and I'm going to go crazy and then I'm going to be perfect starting tomorrow. And the crazy thing is like, what if the start is just so ridiculously easy that we can't mess up the implementation? If walking for five minutes a day, no matter what, is what's required, then you really can't mess that up, right? You don't lack the skills or time, probably. You're not, you're not scared you won't know how to do it. When we identify a goal, I don't think we're scared that we won't know how to do it as much as we're scared that we won't stick with it. Even if sticking with it means tolerating discomfort of not knowing how to do it. So choosing something that you already know how to do and can do easily and for a short period of time just to get started can be really helpful. This is behavior shaping. Shaping is different from chaining. Shaping is I'm changing this individual behavior, this, this specific behavior over time. Weightlifting, I'm starting with bad form and light weights and I'm shaping that behavior to have good form and heavy weights. Whereas behavior chaining is lots of different behaviors put together, right? And chains can get more and more complex over time. So in this example, you're identifying such an easy behavior with such a short chain that it's not punishing for you to get started. It's possible. It's like, well, it's five minutes a day and it's walking. The chain for that is easy. I get my shoes on and I go. Once I've mastered that, I can add steps to that chain or I can shape the behavior so that it gets more and more complex over time. Once you've begun engaging in that behavior, automaticity can start to develop, meaning it's no longer effortful for you to engage in that behavior because the neurons that work together to develop that habit have fired together and they've created this pathway sufficiently to occur without effortful response and that high level of energy that was required initially. Habit formation is less focused on amount of days as amount of trials. So that is like the frequency of behavioral occurrence. So while we're thinking about shortening a behavior chain for behaviors that we want to engage in more often, we're also thinking about lengthening the behavior chain for behaviors that we don't want to engage in as often. So making things that we don't want less available, increasing the behavior chain required to access them, reframing in a way that makes them less attractive, identifying other replacements for those behaviors that are more attractive. So it is important to consider that when you are trying to change habits, 
One way to just really shave off some resistance from the start is to identify the things that are most enjoyable for you and try to create habits that are aligned. The first time that I ever loved exercising was when I was weightlifting. If you hate weightlifting and you feel like you've really given it a a shot, then this is not the behavior for you to engage in. Like there are so many ways to access health. It doesn't have to be this one. There are certainly a lot of benefits uh, as you age for weightlifting, but there are also lots of ways to do that, right? There, are, Even your, your body weight is weightlifting, right? You're using just the weight of your body. For me, weightlifting is so slow and meditative and like high intensity kind of workouts are so aversive for me that... I spent a good chunk of my life thinking that I didn't enjoy exercising and actually it was just that type of exercising. So really trying to make behaviors that you want to engage in more attractive by eating really good foods still, right? You're not on a diet where you're just eating bland, tasteless things for the rest of whenever until you meet some aesthetic goal. This cannot be the way you do it. It's not going to stick. It's not going to stick long enough to see any changes. So what you're doing is you're thinking, okay, what kind of exercise do I like? I want to do more of that. If it's dancing, if it's ice skating, if it's skipping, (laughs) skipping around with your kids, right? Playing with your kids. Choose that. What kind of foods do I love? Great. Now let me just modify them slightly and see if that's impactful enough. You don't have to necessarily change your whole plan. You can just start with, I'm going to use an oil spray instead of pouring olive oil onto my pan before I cook the chicken. Simple, simple little things that are going to potentially be enough. And if not, you're shaping your behavior to engage in more complex behaviors over time. Not right away. So what workouts do you love the best? What foods do you love the best? Reducing that resistance from the start. Now when you create a behavior chain... The chain still can't be long. That's going to create some problems, right? You still want to shorten the chain for that healthful behavior. But also that healthful behavior is attractive because it's delicious or because it's fun. So you're, you're still focused on reducing that chain while you're focused on accessing reinforcement that's not only delayed long-term way in the future, but like, wow, I'm reinforced right now. I'm reinforced immediately which is kind of amazing because usually people don't engage in healthful behaviors because the rewards are so far away, right? I don't get to eat ice cream now and I'll probably be healthier a year from now. Like this is not looking very good. You're thinking I'd rather have the ice cream now. (laughs) You know, I'd rather enjoy this moment. And there's no guarantee on that potential consequence, that delayed consequence. So if you can identify a behavior that's fun as far as exercise and delicious and enjoyable as far as food, now it's like I'm not having to sacrifice one for the other. I'm not sacrificing the short term for the long term. I'm also enjoying this in the short term. And what's going to make this stick is enjoying it in the short term, enjoying it today. I'm not just enjoying my health routine when I'm walking around with like abs or I'm, I have, I, now I have the perfect body. Now I can enjoy it. You're enjoying every day of that such that you're almost releasing that delayed reinforcement. You're, you're releasing the attachment to that specific outcome. And engaging in the behavior is its own reward. 
It's its own reward because it helps with my mental health. It's its own reward because it's delicious. How amazing is that? It's a win-win. Now I get everything I want and I don't feel like there's delayed reinforcement, but oh my gosh, a year from now, I've also met these goals. You get both. So you want to reduce a behavior chain, make it easier for yourself, just as easy as the processed food, just as easy as not going to the gym. How can I make this as easy as possible and as reinforcing as possible? Both of those combined will change everything. If it's convenient and fun, if it's convenient and delicious, if it's convenient and I get to see my friends, there you go. Your behavior has changed. <laughs> it's, it's more challenging than that. It takes time to master it, of course. But essentially, that's how you do it. That's how you change behavior in a way that is sustainable. So take this week to really think, right? What are my behaviors that I'm trying to increase? Which ones am I trying to decrease? This is our last focus series on systems work. Everything else is just an elaboration on this. What behaviors do I want to increase? Identify one behavior this week you want to increase. Then review all the little steps that are required to engage in that behavior and try to knock a couple of them off earlier on. If you want to make a new meal on Friday, just thaw the meat and chop some of the veggies on Thursday. And look at how much easier it is when you get home from work and you think, oh, all I have to do is throw it in the pan. Wow. Right? Suddenly this doesn't feel as challenging. Or if it's a behavior to decrease. Oh, I've taken all of the treats out of my visual field. Oh, I've put them in a place where I'm going to need a step stool to get to them. Oh, all the healthy foods are immediately in my visual field and within arm's reach. It feels just a tiny bit easier. I know it doesn't seem significant enough, but I promise you that it gives you enough mental space to engage in a tiny bit of mindfulness so that you can make a choice from a self-led place. Versus that knee-jerk response of like pain, discomfort, anxiety, sugar. Pain, discomfort, anxiety, alcohol. It gives just the tiniest bit of space as you're opening your cupboard, pulling out the step stool, and you're thinking that whole time, is this what I actually need right now? Right? That behavior chain provides you with an interruption to that formed neural pathway. It provides you with a little interruption, a little wrench in the works there. Enough that it slows things down the tiniest bit and that's where you make your decision. So this week, identify something you wanna increase or decrease and think about how can I use behavior chaining to make myself more successful in this area. Reach out with any questions. As always, please, if you enjoy this podcast, rate and review it it would mean so much to me and if you share it with your family and friends so that they can use the tools as well message me on instagram divergent fitness ca if you have any thoughts and let's engage in a dialogue about this i would love to support you on this journey have an awesome week and i'll see you next time bye
Thank you.